We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Braves and baseball fans, it's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair... One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed the perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Braves and baseball talk, straight from the diamond. From the diamond is brought to you by Window Nation. Get two windows free with every two you buy and pay nothing for two years. And Mark Spain Real Estate. Get a guaranteed offer for Mark Spain Real Estate at 855-299-SOLD. Here's Grant McCauley. And hello and welcome to From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Grant McCauley with you here on a Sunday morning from the Kia Studios as we Wrap up the weekend for the Atlanta Braves and wrap up what was a pretty darn good week for this Braves club as well as they just continue to find ways to win series. And if you were tuned into the show a couple of weeks ago and you might have been worried about what the state of the Braves was, what they were going to do with their rotation, is the offense going to be able to carry this club? Do we do enough at the trade deadline? All these were questions that I think everyone was to some extent asking one another, and I know they were asking me certainly as the, you know, you look at the long course of a season and the ebbs and flows the highs and lows all those other things and I did not mean to rhyme that that's terrible and I'll try to do better in the future but there are just so many things that go into that 162 game marathon and I think for the Braves and for the starting rotation there was just that little bitty speed bump but it made people nervous because of the timing of the year because of the opportunity that the trade deadline typically affords clubs if you're willing to pay the price and of course you know when you forecast what could be ahead for the team. Recency likes to creep in and kind of um, you know, give you an indication of where you might feel like you are to give a moment, but that kind of thing can change, and typically it does, and it did for the Atlanta Braves. The rotation has course corrected. The offense continues to pile up runs, and I think the bullpen might be about as good right now as it's been at any point during the season, and this is a bullpen that's been asked to do an awful lot over the last couple of months in particular, and really all season long with the starting rotation in different states of disrepair and, of course, dealing with a lot of injuries. So, as you know, those have been some, some of the stories and some of the thoughts surrounding this Atlanta Braves club, but don't let that cloud the picture. And the picture is that the Braves had the best record in baseball. They have moved to 40 games over 500 after uh, securing a series win against the San Francisco Giants. Last I checked, 40 games over 500. 
uh, that will play most seasons, and it's certainly playing for the Atlanta Braves this year. They are in the midst of, I think, a very interesting road trip. You go out and face the San Francisco Giants club that I think is trying to cling to any and all life it can in the wild card picture in the National League, and that's not going so well out there for the Giants of late. They've lost a couple of series to the Braves and really not playing the kind of baseball they want to at this particular time. Then you roll into Coors Field. That should always be fascinating for a pitching staff and, of course, for an offense like the Braves. Because flashback to a couple of months ago when the Colorado Rockies rolled through Truist Park. The Atlanta Braves demolished that team, and it was not in the mile-high conditions that they'll be playing in this week. So if the Braves can outscore the Rockies by, I believe it was, what, 40 runs in that series? What in the world can they do in Colorado? We'll find out. I mean, of course, we'll end up with a bunch of 4-3 to three and 3-2 three to two games, and that's what I get for throwing it out there. But no, this Braves offense is explosive, and putting them in an environment like that, uh, it could be akin to a home run derby. We'll find out how exactly that plays out as the Braves roll into Colorado for three games that begin on Monday. But all of that is just the buildup for what I think is certainly a postseason preview, quite possibly, of the two best teams in the National League, and that's the Braves and the Dodgers, the Dodgers and the Braves. If you've heard this story before, it's because uh, since 2018, there's been a pretty good case that one of these two clubs is going to be in that discussion. And uh, for the last three years at least, both of these teams have been in that discussion, one or two, you know, take your pick. Both of these clubs have won World Series in the last couple of years, but they'd like to win another one. And the Braves certainly, I think, to roll through October the way that they want to, they're going to have to figure out a way to deal with the L.A. Dodgers or teams like the L.A. Dodgers. Not that there are a ton of them out there, but it's really fascinating when you size these two clubs up because they have gone through a lot of the same things. They have some very similar production from some MVP candidates, plural, for both clubs, and so that's just going to be one of the many storylines that we uh, see play out in that four-game set at Dodger Stadium that happens this weekend. You've got Ronald Acuna Jr. and Matt Olson making MVP cases for the Braves. You've got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman making MVP cases for the Dodgers. That right there is your top four. Good luck to anybody trying to crack that group right there. And how exactly that's all going to shake out, we're going to talk a little bit about it because there's been a lot of discussion with what Ronald Acuna Jr. did over the course of the first half of the season anyway, putting himself in line for what could be a historic season, the likes of which we've never seen before with the power and speed combo, not to mention all the runs he's scoring, the career highs and batting average, on-base percentage, you know, fewer strikeouts than ever before. That might be one of the most, if not the most impressive things that he's done year over year as far as improvement is concerned. And then you start realizing that, you know, this is a kid that could do this for a number of years. You throw in all those stolen bases and, I think there's just a conversation to be made about the overall quality of season that Ronald Acuna Jr. is having that you've probably heard a time or three on the show, but I feel like we've gotten to that point of the year where maybe people are just looking for who's hot lately and who is getting hot right towards the end. And that's to take nothing away from a couple of the other candidates, Mookie Betts in particular. We're going to get all into that discussion because there was a lot of it on social media. And I think it's one worth having and one worth parsing into the numbers, certainly, but also recognizing that Greatness takes many forms, and more than one player has a great season per year, and that's what the MVP is typically about, is trying to figure out maybe who had the greatest season. Sometimes the team winning has more to do with it than others. Sometimes it's just, hey, if you're the best player in baseball, like the American League, for example, you might just win the MVP award, and that, I think, is going to go to Shohei Otani. And, man, do we have some Shohei Otani to talk about on this show, unfortunately. Uh, One of the stories in baseball that I don't think anybody wanted to hear, and I think everybody was disappointed, if not 
absolutely crestfallen about is the news of Shohei Otani's pitching side of things being done for the season with a torn UCL. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. I'm going to have Ben Verlander of Fox Sports join me. We'll talk some about the Atlanta Braves, definitely the offensive firepower of this club, the likes of which we've never seen for a Braves team. That's going to be the fun conversation that we have. Then we'll have to get into the Shohei Otani part and you know, try to figure out what does this mean for the future of baseball's biggest superstar who is on the doorstep of free agency and doing things that we've never seen anybody do on a baseball field, not seen one person be able to do. How can you be the best hitter in the league and one of the best pitchers in baseball? Shohei Otani was showing us how. Uh, every fifth day as far as on the mound and, of course, what he does at the plate, he's going to continue to do this season, and I think that's an interesting offshoot story of this. A lot of times, you know, pitcher suffers an elbow injury. Well, season's over. Got to figure out what the route you're going to take is, the surgery, the rehab, the recovery. All of those things are discussions that Shohei Otani is going to have to have at some point, but in the meantime, he can just resume being the best hitter in the American League, and that, I think, it just underscores the greatness of this guy. We'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on, and uh, also... Since I've got one of the Verlanders on the show, I figured, why don't we talk about uh, Justin's exit from the New York Mets, everything that was going on up there, his homecoming with the Houston Astros. I'll talk about that with Ben Verlander of Fox Sports, the host of the Flippin' Bats podcast. If you haven't subscribed to that, I highly recommend that. Check that out and give it a listen and a subscription as well. And speaking of subscribing, how can I go this long without telling you about From the Diamond, which you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on social media on most platforms, at Grant McCauley's where you can find me. And you can like the show on Facebook. Just search for From the Diamond there. And if you need any links to all of that stuff, fromthediamond.com is a great place to find that. It's on the top navigational bar. Now, talk some about what the Braves have been doing on this road trip, but that's just an extension of what they have done in the month of August. And, of course, what they just did on the homestand, demolishing the New York Yankees, taking a series from the San Francisco Giants, and then seeing what was, I think, one of the leading causes of that or factors in that, the starting rotation beginning to really string together some outstanding outings. We'll discuss what's going on a little bit later with some of these guys individually speaking, but I think it was just time that you needed to see everybody start to figure it out. Charlie Morton was coming off four really tough starts. He had to kind of grind one out against the New York Mets, walk seven guys in five scoreless innings. Don't know that I've seen that before, but hey, I think that was the start of something because the last two starts for Charlie Morton have been outstanding. Spencer Strider, speaking of outstanding, continued his dominance as he rolled into San Francisco and piled up another you know, big strikeout night and helped the Braves figure out a way to win a game in that series. Uh, and then you look at what Bryce Elder's doing lately. I think that is some encouraging developments for him. And I think Max Fried is starting to put some stuff together. His last couple of outings, the pitch count has been up around 100, and that's something that you needed to see just to know that he was you know, healthy, feeling good, and you know, continuing to, I think, sharpen things up based on a three-month layoff. That's going to put anybody behind the eight ball. But Max Reed, I think, has done a nice job of that lately. And it's just good to see the Braves starting rotation beginning to roll. And you know, we'll kind of figure out what we're doing in the fifth starter spot. But pretty soon, you might be talking about a big return for this Braves rotation in the form of Kyle Wright, who began his rehab assignment. I was up in Rome on Thursday and caught up with Kyle, who was very encouraged and should be about the results of that three scoreless outing, uh, three scoreless innings in that outing. A tremendous first step back for him. Handful of rehab starts ahead, but you start looking at the Braves rotation once you get Kyle Wright back in the mix. And then that's the and this is the exact time of year that you want to have that kind of I think good fortune to have somebody walk through the door with the capabilities of a 21 game winner a year ago and a guy that won a playoff game for you last year. And if you forgot, and I don't know how you would, Kyle Wright was also 
kind of a pivotal and important piece in the 2021 World Series with some very important relief work that he was able to do against the Houston Astros. And I think that kind of catapulted him into his success in 2022, so it'll be good to have Kyle back in the mix. You'll hear from him a little bit later on. And speaking of returns, I think we're finally starting to count down the days until veteran reliever Jesse Chavez is going to get the opportunity to resume his career, which was very much in question after taking a line drive off the shin. We thought maybe it wasn't as serious as you might have feared at first, but as it turns out, Jesse Chavez was dealing with a little bit more the past couple of months than most people might have realized. So I got the chance to catch up with Jesse at Truist Park, and I think he is very encouraged. He's throwing off the mound and facing hitters, and once he's able to get the all clear, could be on a rehab assignment very soon as well. And Dylan Lee is already down there in Gwinnett. So I say all that to say the Braves are getting healthy at a very good time. Now, knock on wood, they want to keep everybody healthy. That's important. But when you put together a pitching staff that's coming together at this time down the stretch, and heading into October with an offense of historic proportions the way that the Braves have, well, I think you already get it. And you look at an 84-44 and 44 record, you've got a very good chance to do some serious damage in October. And, of course, that's what it's all about. we got all kinds of stuff to get into, though, on today's show, of course. And we're going to talk about the week that was for the Atlanta Braves, some of the big things going on. How about that MVP discussion? We'll go ahead and get into that. Ron Lacuna Jr. versus the field. Is it that simple anymore? I'll discuss. I'm from the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now, back to more from the Diamond. From the Diamond, it's brought to you by Window Nation. Get two windows free with every two you buy and pay nothing for two years. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back into From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Grant McCauley with you from the Kia Studios here on a Sunday morning. And we're out of our normal time slot, as many of us uh, are well aware. It's time for football season to crank up here, and that's always, I think, a cause for celebration. Well, of course, if your team's doing well and around here, we do okay, I think, in some respects, and hopefully better in other respects. We'll find out. But the Braves are doing about as as well as they can possibly do at this point of the season, considering their record, considering what this offense is doing, as I discussed opening up the show, getting healthy at the right time on the pitching side. They have all the makings of a club that could do some pretty special things, and At the top of the list of things that have gone right for the Atlanta Braves in 2023, the resurgence, and I use that word differently for certain players, and I'll just start with this guy. The resurgence of Ronald Acuna Jr., who dealt with that knee injury in 2021 that knocked him out uh, for the second half of that season to put the Braves on a very strange and winding path to winning the World Series. He comes back in 2022. Not quite the same player. Flashes of that brilliance, but not that extended dominance that we had come to expect from Ronald in all five categories when you think about a five-tool player. But 2023, let me just tell you, if you haven't been watching, you've been missing some good stuff. And Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing things the likes of which really nobody has done by the time this season is over. Historically speaking, I think he's on a path to some pretty special stuff. And he is, in fact, the guy that sets the tone for the best offense in all of baseball. Let's not forget that. And I think he's a big reason why opposing pitchers and opposing teams have an awful lot of trouble dealing with this Atlanta Braves club because you better be locked in from the first pitch on or you could find yourself down one to nothing at the very least with Ronald up there to lead off a game or you could find yourself behind the eight ball after the Braves score five or six runs in the first inning and that has happened quite a bit this year. But I wanted to have a little bit of a discussion because I've seen it kind of you know kicked around and it's I think perfectly normal discussion. You know, who's the MVP in the National League this year? Who's the MVP in the American League is not quite as a fun discussion because there's only one answer. In the National League, I think it's kind of fun that there are, at this point in the season, 
four players that you can easily identify who are, I think, the cream of the crop for the National League in 2023. Now, one of them, Ron Lacuna Jr., we've been talking about all season long. Then you've all of a sudden heard a teammate, Matt Olson, start to enter that discussion, and that is because of the blistering hot streak that he went on after moving to the cleanup spot in the Braves' order. Then you start to look out west as the Dodgers were trying to piece some things together. Freddie Freeman was having an outstanding season and was going to be a top three National League MVP finalist the way that things were shaking out. But all of a sudden, Mookie Betts just went supernova and might have surpassed what Freddie Freeman was doing. And that's a big reason why the Dodgers have been one of the hottest teams in the last, what, couple of months and at least the last six weeks and here in the second half because they have been able to really take the National League West and kind of run away with it for a while and it didn't look like they were going to be able to do that quite as easily, and they were dealing with a lot of the same things the Braves were. I alluded to this earlier. They've had all kinds of starting rotation problems, but the offense is something that's helping to carry them through all of that, and I think that the Braves have been in that same boat, and we've talked about it a lot here on the show. But looking at Ron Lacuna Jr.'s MVP case, I think it's something that we've done for, what, about 127, 128 games now, and it's one of the best cases that you're ever going to see. If you were going to sit down and – predict what Ronald Acuna Jr.'s numbers were going to look like if he was back in 100% healthy, which he is this year. I don't know that you would have been able to find all of these, and some of them would have been completely off the board, but third in Major League Baseball with a 333 average. He leads Major League Baseball in on-base percentage. It's at 416. That's a career high. He's fifth in slugging, so you throw those together. He's got a 944 OPS, and the crazy thing is I still think he's got another home run binge up his sleeve in the final 30 or so games. He's got 28 home runs, though. When he hits two more homers and steals one more base, he'd become the first player in baseball history to have a 30-homer, 60-stolen base season. Barry Bonds didn't do it. Ricky Henderson didn't do it. Uh, Eric Davis of the 1980s did not do it. Davis and Bonds have the only 30-50 seasons in baseball history, and that happened back in 1987 and 1990. So it's been about three decades since anybody's done something quite like what Ronald's doing, and he still has I think, an outside shot at 40-40, though he's going to have to get that home run binge, I think, at some point to get to 12 he needs to get to 40. But either way, he could break the Braves' single-season record for stolen bases at 72. He's only 13 away from matching that now. And those are just some of the things that he's been doing this year. 115 runs scored, most in baseball. You put that at the top of the order with the best lineup in all of baseball, you are going to score some runs. And it's not just Ronald you know, hitting home runs and just getting on base and a couple of guys knocking him in. It's what he does out on the base paths that I think has been special this year. And those 59 stolen bases, that pretty much underscores how good he has been. And if it was that easy with the new rules, I think there'd be a few other people that have stolen 50 bases at this point. But at last check, there's really not that many guys who are running to the level that Ron Lacuna Jr. is. So while there was a rule change, and I will stipulate, you know, it does limit what the pitchers can do. If it was this easy, there are plenty of fast guys across Major League Baseball that can have piled up at this point 30 40, or maybe 50 stolen bases when you're two-thirds of the way, more than two-thirds of the way through the season at this point, three-quarters. Let's call it that. But Ronald Acuna Jr., top five in wins above replacement as well, according to Fangraph, 6.3. And again, he's on pace to do something that no one in baseball has ever done, a 30-60 or a 30-70 season. Pick whichever one you like. Whichever one he ends up with, that's going to be some baseball history. And what Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman are doing this year is also impressive. And there's a very good reason they're in the MVP conversation. It's because they're having MVP-level seasons. Just taking a look at what Mookie has done this year. 149 hits, 
across 122 games. He scored 108 runs. He's already got 34 homers, 90 runs knocked in, 36 doubles. He's walked 73 times, so he's a 300-plus hitter, 400-plus on base, 600-plus slug. That's a seven-win season at this point. So he's on pace for, I think, if he continues his you know, incredible run here in the second half, a nine-win season according to wins above replacement, and helping him out in that lineup is Freddie Freeman. 128 games for him this year, 48 doubles, 23 homers, 86 runs knocked in, 107 scored. He's batting 339 with a 415 on base and a 577 slug. That breaks out to about a 1,000 OPS, and it breaks out to a six, six-and-a-half war season for Freddie Freeman. There's a reason, again, that these guys are in that discussion. You look at what Matt Olson's doing. On pace for a 50-homer season, leading the National League in home runs. On pace for 140-plus runs batted in this year. He's got 112 on the season. That's the most in Major League Baseball, and no player to this point here in late August has reached 100 runs batted in. Matt Olson's been there for a few weeks. He's done some impressive things, and what he's done in the cleanup spot is really the crux of his MVP discussion, his MVP case or credentials, whatever you want to call it. But all of these guys have come along throughout the course of the year, but I feel like Ronald Acuna has been this steady greatness throughout the course of the season. A lot of folks have looked at it and said, well, maybe Ronald's having a down month. Well, if your down month in- involves having the best on-base percentage that you've had of any month this season, and you're still out there playing every day, and you're still scoring a ton of runs, and you're still stealing bases and doing all the things that you were doing before, I think the only reason it looks like a down month is because you put it to the side of what Mookie Betts has done, and maybe you start to think, okay, well, Mookie's been a little bit better over the past you know, month or two. Maybe he has. But that does not take away the greatness of Ronald Acuna Jr. It doesn't really take the shine off of what Freddie Freeman is doing in that same lineup with Mookie Betts, nor does it really take away from what Matt Olson has done. That's just kind of how the awards work. Everybody makes a case. The writers vote at the end of the year, and we find out who exactly is going to win this award, and sometimes it feels like there's a little bit of campaigning that goes on. Maybe on this show, we've campaigned for Ronald Acuna Jr. to win the MVP, or maybe we've just been making a very steady case, and his numbers do all the talking, by the way, that he's the best player in the National League this year, and I think that he is. But it doesn't mean that there's going to be the best player in the National League and then such a sizable gap that nobody else approaches it. That's just not how baseball works in the course of 162. And with great players like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, you know, throw Matt Olson in there, and there's others that are having great seasons. You know, they're going to get some MVP talk as well. I just don't really feel like it's anything to get too upset about at the end of August because it hasn't been decided yet. And as we say, we've still got some baseball left to be played. And I don't think anybody needs to you know, wring their hands too much about this. But it's all part of this rivalry that's built in between the Braves and the Dodgers that if all goes according to plan for both clubs, they could wind up settling this old, not the MVP, but they could settle everything for 2023 come October in a seven-game format, and that I think would be an awful lot of fun to watch. But, you know, Acuna's powering the best offense in baseball. He's the poster child for what this lineup has done as a whole. And even if you put aside, you know, his stolen bases, the Braves lead the majors in runs scored, home runs, and a slew of other offensive categories, OPS, and they've also cut their strikeout rate. And that, I think, is one of the things that makes Ronald so impressive. He's striking out just over 12% this year. His career strikeout rate coming in was pushing 25 26%, and had been as high as 30% in a season. This is a guy that struck out 188 times in his first full year in the big leagues and is somehow, amazingly at this point, sitting on 73 strikeouts 128 games into the season. That kind of improvement, that's the kind of thing. And when I said trying to predict what Ronald Acuna Jr. season was going to look like, I did not account for that. And that is one of the reasons why he's getting on base more and doing all the other things that he's doing.
But the Braves as a whole have dropped from second in Major League Baseball in strikeouts a year ago to 24th. I talked about this some last week. That is an incredible, incredible improvement in approach and execution and the proofs in the pudding. And the Braves are the best offense in all of baseball as well. A couple of guys that have been helping out here lately that have been very much needed, Marcelo Ozuna and Eddie Rosario. Back in April, I think Ozuna was possibly days, maybe a week away from being designated for assignment. He had about as bad an April as you can put together. He batted 083, if memory serves. That is not what you're looking for out of your slugging DH because, again, the DH is in play so that the pitcher doesn't have to bat. So you would like the DH to hit a little bit more than a pitcher possibly would. Well, Marcel Ozuna has been able to work his way through that. He got hot in early May, carried that on into June, cooled off some in July, but here lately he has found himself, I think, maybe operating at the best level he has this season. And this is what makes the Braves lineup so hard to deal with is, well, okay, you got Ronald Acuna Jr., got to account for him. You got to deal with Ozzie Albies, who could be back soon, batting second. Austin Riley just hit his 30th home run of the year, a milestone for him, third consecutive year for that. You got Matt Olson. I just talked about what he's doing. And then you start to get into the teeth of the order, which includes Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario, Sean Murphy or Travis Darno, Orlando Arcia, who just matched his career high in homers, and then the best ninth place hitter in all of baseball, Michael Harris. Good luck trying to figure out how you're going to get through that, especially if Ozuna's doing what he's done the last 22 games. Batting 392, he's got 31 hits in those 22 games. He's also walked 11 times, so that'll give you a 467 on base percentage. Eight doubles, six homers, 19 runs knocked in, 18 more runs scored. That's in a 22-game span. So he's knocking on the door now of a 30-homer season. He's got 28, and this comes after an April in which a lot of folks were thinking about how quickly you could get Marcelo Zuna off the roster and if he had, in fact, played his way right out of Atlanta by not being productive in 2021, 2022, and that April. Because remember, it wasn't just one bad month. I think we all can recall the saga of Marcelo Zuna, both on the field and off. You were just kind of wondering if this thing had run its course in April, but he was able to find himself. And I think he's done a lot behind the scenes with some of his Braves teammates to you know, earn their trust and, and their faith. And this is a guy that's going out there and producing. As is Eddie Rosario. Last 15 games for him, he's batting 392. What a coincidence. That's what Ozuna's batting the last three weeks. 20 for 51, four doubles, four homers, 10, uh, 15 runs knocked in, 10 runs scored. National League Player of the Week award that came his way on the recent homestand as he absolutely torched the Yankees and the San Francisco Giants. A very good series for him. These two guys have really helped out, Ozuna and Rosario, as Matt Olson has cooled off a little bit. The home runs is, I think, now his longest home run drought of the year, which is going on nine or ten games. And Austin Riley had cooled off after a big-time home run binge in the month of July and into early August. But this is the Braves lineup. When a couple of guys maybe take a step back, it always seems like somebody else takes a step forward. Now, to go back to Ronald Acuna Jr., this is the guy that has been the constant of the Braves lineup because there just has not been highs and lows for Acuna this year. If he has a hitless game, that's news. He strikes out two times in a game, that's news. And that's pretty incredible to think about when you just look at where he was this time a year ago. He was wrapping up a season in which we went into the uh, into the winter. I had people wondering, well, is Ronald ever going to be the same player that he was? Is this just the new normal? Are we just going to have to accept that he's a 15 or 20 homer guy who's going to steal some bases and not really be able to get to the level that he was prior to the injury? Now, fortunately, the answer to all those questions is no. No, that is not who Ronald Acuna Jr. is, and I think he's doing a very good job of showing us exactly who he is. But some very, very impressive numbers for Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario helping out 
a lineup that has two MVP candidates, has scored the most runs in baseball, and is, by and large, and I don't think there's really much of a debate about this anymore, the best Braves offense that we have ever seen in the 152 years of this franchise's history. Pretty incredible stuff. When we come back, though, we're going to hear from a pair of Braves pitchers who are on the path back to the major leagues. I got a chance to catch up with Kyle Wright after his rehab start in Rome and with Jesse Chavez, who is working his way back towards rejoining this club and this bullpen in September after what was a very scary injury back in June. You'll hear from both of those men as we size things up for the Braves pitching staff next on From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. More From the Diamond with Graham McCauley. Brought to you by Mark Spain Real Estate. Get a guaranteed offer from Mark Spain Real Estate. 855-299-SOLD. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back into From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Live from the Kia Studios here on a Sunday as the Braves wrap up their weekend in San Francisco and continue their road trip out west. It's 10 games before they get to come back home. Next stop is Colorado. They'll get three against the Rockies at Coors Field, which, I don't know, it's great for offenses and probably not as exciting for pitching staffs, but if you've got the Braves offense on your side and you are the Braves pitching staff, then maybe you feel kind of okay about it and just want to get in and out as soon as possible. We'll talk a little bit more about that series, and of course we'll be focused in on that next stop, which is the four-game set against the Los Angeles Dodgers to close out this road trip. That one's going to have a lot of eyeballs from across baseball and, of course, across Braves country. And we'll talk a lot more about that as we continue on with the show. As I talked about a little bit with the Braves offense, you know, this is a club that is powered by a great lineup and that is able to put up more runs than anyone else in baseball. The beneficiaries of all those runs being scored is, of course, the Braves pitching staff, which it might surprise you to know that the Braves have the third best ERA in all of baseball coming into Sunday. And they're just a tenth of a point behind the Blue Jays and the Mariners, who are tied at the top. The Braves have a 378 staff ERA. And I know that's not a perfect stat, but at least it's an indicator of, for the most part, what the Braves are allowing as a pitching staff, and it's under four runs per game. Put that with an offense that has a way of scoring more than four runs per game typically, and you're going to find some pretty good outcomes more times than not. Now, the Braves' starting rotation has an ERA just over 4. It's at 4.04 if we want to get technical about it, just behind the Cleveland Guardians in 8th place in all of Major League Baseball. But only the San Diego Padres have a better ERA among starting rotations than the Atlanta Braves in the National League. That's kind of a sobering statistic, and it would tell you that there's not quite as much great starting pitching around that you might expect, especially for some of the other clubs that are division leaders and playoff hopefuls or just flat out expected to be in the postseason. You think about it, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Dodgers series later on, but I mean, that's a club that has had all kinds of problems in its starting rotation. You usually don't find the Dodgers 16th in Major League Baseball in rotational ERA, but that's where they find themselves. But Hey, they're right behind the Baltimore Orioles, who are one of the other best teams in baseball record-wise. The Orioles are 15th in all of baseball, so finding the Braves in that 8th spot, it's not going to generate a trophy or anything like that for the club, but it does let you know when compared to what else is going on across baseball, the Braves are in a pretty decent place, and that's just in the rotation. Now, if we're to look at what's been going on with the relief pitching, that is where I think a lot of folks may not realize exactly how good Atlanta's bullpen has been when you compare it to all other bullpens in baseball. 
I don't have to tell you how frustrating it is to watch a late lead slip away or to see runs added on late in games, and nobody likes losing. But when you look at the entire group effort that the Braves' bullpen has put forth this year, a 339 ERA is second in baseball only to the New York Yankees among bullpen ERAs. The Seattle Mariners, who we will get into coming up here in the show when we take our look around the big leagues, they have an outstanding bullpen, 345 ERA, but the Braves are tops in the National League by nearly a third of a run over the Philadelphia Phillies. That's who come up second. And then you find the Milwaukee Brewers at ninth, the San Francisco Giants at 10th. But for some reason, you always hear about the Braves' bullpen being a weak link. The stats just don't bear that out. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to throw all zeros. But this is a bullpen that has done the job far more times than not. And it's a bullpen that seems to be really finding itself at the most important time of the year down the stretch heading into October. Talked about this on last week's show. Joe Jimenez has been throwing extremely well for quite some time. You've got Pierce Johnson, who came over from the Colorado Rockies, who is also throwing great. A.J. Minter is healthy. Rysel Iglesias looks as good as he has all season long. And you've got plenty of other relievers who are making their contributions. And you might be getting a little bit healthier when Dylan Lee comes back in September and when the next man we're going to hear from makes his return. And it's one I think we've all been looking forward to. Jesse Chavez was struck by a line drive on the left shin way back in June. At the time, everyone, including Jesse Chavez, felt like he dodged a bullet. The imaging showed that he just had a bruise and he was going to have to deal with that for, what, a couple of weeks? Then he'd start kind of tracking back towards a return. That simply has not been the case. We're over two months removed from that. But I got a chance to catch up with Jesse Chavez at Truist Park over the homestand and kind of get some insight on where exactly he is and what precisely has been taking him so long to get back on a mound. No lingering issues from the shin where I got hit or, or anything like that. So that's the good part. Um, it's been getting better day to day. Um, running's been getting better. Um, I think that's the final test that we got to do before they can send me off, making sure I can be able to get over to first base and not put us in position. You know, game on the line or something like that. You know, obviously with what we got going on. Um, but I think with the way I'm progressing, I mean, I don't put any words out there because I've put before, but didn't expect it to be this long and as bad of a, I would say, bruise, but smallest break you could possibly imagine, I guess, from that aspect. So being able to understand that part kind of made my mind go to ease. And once that happened and I found that out, my recovery actually got way faster and better on a daily basis. So I think after today, I think I got another, another live at the end of the week and then I'm off, hopefully. I don't think it's too surprising when you consider how long it's been taking Jesse Chavez to get both back on his feet, literally, and then back on a mound so that he can return to the game that he loves. And hey, this is a guy that just turned 40, so he's not looking to miss any time at this stage of his career. But it's not surprising to find out that maybe it was a little bit more than a bruise. And turns out the club and Jesse Chavez made the decision to get another round of imaging during that long road trip the Braves were on a couple of weeks ago. At that time, they discovered that he had been dealing with a microfracture in that left leg. That's what was causing him so much pain. That's what's been delaying his return because the pain simply would not subside on the timetable that he or the team had expected. Now, time has obviously run its course and helped him heal that, but this was something that was not caught on the initial scans because of the inflammation and the swelling in the area, and that caused the microfracture to go unnoticed. 
Now, Jesse gave us a few more details on all of that and, of course, what it is he's focused on right now as he works his way towards a rehab assignment that could happen sometime very soon. He's been throwing live batting practice sessions. That's what he was doing on Monday when we caught up with him, so clearly feeling good about being back on the mound, but knowing that there still are a couple boxes to check before he goes out on that rehab assignment. The last few weeks, I would say it ha- the shins hasn't been a problem from where I got hit. It's been more of the calf being activated again, the muscles getting used to being worked again. Um, like, I would say when they were on the road trip, middle of that road trip, I would say I finally started getting like soreness in my left leg in a good way because I haven't felt anything other than my right leg move. So starting to feel that activate again has been the biggest plus for us moving forward now where now I'm able to skip, I'm able to put pressure, I'm able to do single leg squats and stuff like that now where I wasn't even able to do that 15 days ago. You know, and that's where I was beating myself up about not knowing and then we find out what actually happened after it finally all the inflammation and stuff cleared from the impact. There was a slight little thing in there. Yeah, not knowing yeah, has to be one of the knowing. hardest parts of yeah. being able to figure out what the path is. I exactly, think. and me being as healing and as fast as I normally heal and not ever being hurt because I heal fast, it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, why is it taking so long for a bruise if that's the case? You know, and I get it, some are worse than others, you know? So you never really know how long it can last, but if it's a bruise, like, something's got to be more than that if I can't put any pressure on it a few days later. You know what I mean? And that was the biggest part. When did you kind of get that clarity? During the last road trip you guys, they were on. That was when I really found out what, what was wrong, I would say. Just getting some clarification on what exactly was keeping him from being able to take those next steps and progress and simply walk around comfortably again, that had to be a load off Jesse Chavez's mind, and in fact it was. And that's kind of what he was talking about with Now knowing that as hard as he's worked and as resilient as he's been in his career, he can kind of wrap his mind around the fact that, hey, I was dealing with something a little bit bigger. Now I understand that. The time has passed to allow that to heal. Now he's got to get those muscles going again. And he talked about how important it is to be able to run. Wherever it is you need to be around that baseball diamond, it's not just on the mound all the time for a pitcher. You got to be able to field your position too. So Those are the hurdles and the things that Jesse Chavez has been looking to clear over the past few weeks, and it sounds like he's making some really good progress towards that, and I know that a lot of folks are going to be excited to welcome him back as he's an integral part of that bullpen mix out there. I mean, you saw what the bullpen did when they lost Jesse Chavez. They built a statue, a very accurate statue, mind you, to put out there in the bullpen area to make sure that he is with them at all times, but as Jesse has been more around the team over the past few weeks and Please Google that statue if you haven't seen it yet. You certainly should. Radio and my description would just not do it justice. But this is a group that's very close-knit, and Jesse's a big part of that. He was also a big part of the success that they were having as his bullpen was trying to iron a few things out, and a few guys were trying to get going and also healthy at that time. Jesse posted a 155 ERA in his 31 appearances, 29 innings, just 9 walks, and 36 strikeouts. He was a big part of the first half for the Braves in keeping that bullpen together, and it would be really nice to have him back in the mix in the month of September. Meanwhile, September return is what we've been talking about for Kyle Wright for quite some time, and he took a big step towards that on Thursday, making a rehab start for the High A Rome Braves. This was his first action, in-game action, since way back in May when he was placed on the injured list for the second time dealing with inflammation in his shoulder. Now, this was a complete shutdown for Kyle, no throwing for over a month, and he also got a stem cell injection to help with that healing process. 
With that behind him, all the bullpens, all the live BPs, all of that done, it was time to go out there and get into a game, and he didn't look like he had skipped a beat. Now, I know he's facing minor league competition, but 26 pitches to cover three scoreless innings, only one hit allowed, no walks, and four strikeouts for Kyle. A great first step. I was up there in Rome and was able to catch up with him after that start to get his thoughts on how he's feeling and, of course, what's next. First step in this return, how did it feel out there tonight? Uh, I felt great. Um, you know, I've been working on a lot of stuff mechanically, so um, to kind of see that, you know, come into effect, I thought I felt a whole lot better. Um, I really like my tempo. I did feel like I wasn't rushing as much. I feel like I freed my arm up to throw. Definitely excited to see how I feel tomorrow and see how he bounce back, but I'm really excited with how easily um, I allowed my arm to work this go-around as opposed to, you know, in the past. Spring training, you were kind of dealing with, I guess, a similar thing. How would you say that time off that you've had during the season has allowed you to maybe allow that inflammation to kind of go down and let you get back to work? Yeah, I think the shutdown was really important because when I came back, uh, you know, I felt great. Um, then as I started throwing, you know, normally you want to get sore again, but it was different. Um, and I, I could notice it that it was, you know, more general soreness and mm-hmm. sore in the right spots. And this go-around, we really dove in pretty deep to make sure that we could you know, try to prevent this from happening. You know, as a starting pitcher, you never know, and you're not guaranteed no arm injuries. But yeah. there's a lot of people that put in a lot of work to, you know, try to try to put this behind us. Yeah, I know it's hard to put a timetable on it after the very first one, but if things do go well, do you have an anticipation of how long and how many of these you'll need? Yeah, probably. I mean, probably another three more. I think that's kind of I think that we have on paper. Um, you know, that could change. It could be, could be less, could be more. You don't really know, but probably at least three more to build the pitch count back up and you know get all those up downs in. How excited are you of the possibility of rejoining at some point this season? Very exciting. Um, being on the aisle sucks, so it's pretty boring. Um, so I'm just itching at any opportunity to get back. Um, any amount of time I could possibly get back, you know, I'm excited for. Um, Got to continue to take it day by day. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and, you know, have any setbacks or anything like that. But um, I'm really excited for the opportunity to get back and uh, pitch for us again. Has it been pretty difficult to watch the team doing what it's doing this year and obviously not being able to be a part of it the way you were last year? You know, I I think it makes it easier knowing that we're playing so well. And um, I think it's really allowed, you know, all of us hurt guys. We've had quite a few um, take our time and uh, making sure we're doing the right thing. So, yeah, you definitely want to always be a part of it. Um, you know, that's just a competitor and it's just a, such a fun team to be a part of. But um, at the same time, man, it's it's been a blast to watch those guys and um, see how well they've been able to play each and every night. That's Braves starting pitcher Kyle Wright following his Thursday rehab outing for the Rome Braves. He should have another one coming up here this week. And then, as you heard, maybe just two more after that. If he's feeling good, he's able to get that pitch count up and he's able to get those up-downs, which if you're curious, that just means being able to get out there and throw multiple innings. Sometimes the pitch count, like we saw on Thursday, can be incredibly low and allow you to throw an extra inning, and I'm pretty sure that Kyle will be happy to throw both the innings and get up and down as many times as he has to to get back to this club and help them do some winning down the stretch. And, of course, October, where he has been a big part of the Braves' success in each of the last two seasons. Now, we may see a few names and faces in between now and the time that Kyle Wright gets back, but I went back and looked this up because I was just genuinely curious heading into the Giants series. Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, and Bryce Elder had combined to make 75 starts prior to this weekend. Twelve other starting pitchers had combined to start the other 51 games of the season. That, to me, is just a mind-boggling stat. When it comes to the fourth and fifth spots in rotation, or really, if we're being honest, maybe the first and second or first and third spot in rotation because the two guys you were trying to replace, Max Fried and Kyle Wright, those are not easy guys to replace. It just lets you know how important it is to have Fried back now, back in the saddle, and 
looking like he's figuring some things out. And to have Kyle Wright on the road to returning, this could be some very fortuitous timing for the Atlanta Braves heading towards the month of October. So that's a look at a couple of Braves pitchers who are aiming to get back to the club in September. When we come back, we will turn our attention to the rest of Major League Baseball as we take our trip around the big leagues. And unfortunately, this time Shohei Otani making headlines was not what anyone wanted to see. He will not pitch again this season. That, one of the big stories from the week that was. We'll get into that and much more as From the Diamond with Grant McCauley continues right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 